0: How Star Wars, the movies, can inform your compliance program. Today we're going to review Rogue One, which is really outside the canon in terms of being a a numbered episode. In many ways, it was a prequel uh, to A New Hope. Uh, And Jay, uh, what can you tell us about the movie Rogue One?
1: Sure. So as you said, Tom, this story takes place in the same Star Wars universe, and it's about the time right before episode, episode four, A New Hope. Uh, we meet a scientist named Galen Erso and his family who are hiding on a planet called Lamu. Imperial weapons developer Orson Krennic arrives to press him into completing the Death Star. Galen's wife, Lyra, is killed in the confrontation while their daughter, Jin, escapes and is rescued by rebel Saul Guerrera. 15 years later, our cargo pilot named Bodhi Rook defects from the Empire, taking a holographic message recorded by Galen to Guerrera on the desert moon of Jedha. Rebel intelligence officer Cassian Andor frees Jin from an imperial labor camp at Wobani before bringing her to the rebel leader Ma and Mothma, who convinces her to find and rescue Galen so the Alliance can learn more about the Death Star. Cassian is covertly, covertly ordered to kill Galen rather than extract, extract him. Jin, Cassian, and a reprogrammed imperial droid, K2SO, travel to Jedha, where the Empire is removing kyber crystals to power its new Death Star. Guerrera and his partisans oppose them in an armed insurgency. With the aid of a blind spiritual warrior, Chirut Imwe, and his mercenary friend, Baz Malbus, Jin makes contact with Guerrera, who has been holding Rook captive. Guerrera shows her the message in which Galen reveals he has built a vulnerability into the Death Star and directs them to retrieve the schematic on the planet Scarif. On the Death Star, Krennic orders a low powered test shot, which destroys Jeddah's capital. Jin and her group take Rook and flee the moon, but Guerrera remains to die with his city. Grand Moff Tarkin, who we've seen before in episode four, congratulates Krennic before using Rook's defection and security leak as a pretext to take control of the project. Rook leads the group to Gallon's. Per- facility where Cassian chooses not to kill him. Jin makes her presence known just as rebel bombers attack. Gallen is wounded and dies in his daughter's arm before she escapes with her group on board a stolen cargo shuttle. Jin plans to steal the Death Star schematics, but it doesn't gain the Alliance Council's approval. Jin leads a group of small rebel, a small squad of rebels, volunteers on a raid. Arriving at gareth on the stolen imperial ship which rook dubs rogue one a disguised Jin and cassian entered the base with k2so while the other rebels attacked the resident imperial garrison as a distraction K2SO sacrifices himself so Jin and Cassian can retrieve the data. Imwe is killed after activating the master communication switch to the rebel fleet, and Malbus dies in the battle. Rook is killed by a grenade after informing the rebel fleet that it must deactivate the shield around the planet to allow the transmission of the schematics. Jin and Cassian obtain the schematics, but are ambushed by Krennic, who is eventually shot and wounded by Cassian. Jin transmits the schematics to the Rebel command ship, and the Death Star enters orbit above, where Tarkin uses another low-power shot to destroy the base, killing Krennic, Cassian, and Jyn. The rebel fleet appears to jump to hyperspace, but many of the ships are intercepted by Vader's, Vader's flagship. Vader boards the rebel command ship and attempts to, re, to regain the schematics, but a small starship escapes from the plans with the plans on board. And now we see aboard this fleeing ship Princess Leia, who declares that the schematics will provide a new hope for the rebellion.
0: Well, that's a great, uh, segue, um, J, because I want to use Rogue One, specifically the name, to talk about one of uh, what I think is one of the most dangerous myths in compliance, and that's the myth of the rogue employee. As long as 24 years ago, Lynn Payne wrote about the myth of the rogue employee in an article for the Harvard Business Review entitled Managing for Organizational Integrity. She said that executives are quick to describe any wrongdoing as an isolated incident, the work of a rogue employee. The thought that companies could bear any responsibility for an individual's misdeeds never enters their minds. Ethics, after all, has nothing to do with management. But in fact, ethics has everything to do with management. Uh, I think the important thing to remember is that illegal conduct under a law such as the FCPA never occurs in a vacuum. There are always other employees with with whom the recalcitrant employee interacts. There are financial controls in place to protect against misconduct, which have to be overridden. There are reporting mechanisms for employees to report suspicious activities. Raise your hand uh, hotlines, etc., there's likely to be someone in the organization who is close enough to the bad actor or responsible for the conduct of the bad actor or who should have suspected uh, the actor was engaged in misconduct. The more sophisticated the scheme, the more actors are always involved and the more controls are always overridden. As the misconduct becomes more complicated, such as in the case of bribery or antitrust violations, the schemes require additional actors and raise additional red flags, or there are persons in senior management who are in a position to know of such misconduct. There's really no instance I can think of where an employee just on their own was able to generate enough money to pay a bribe that got a contract. So um, the myth of the rogue employee is really dangerous, Jay, because it gives companies an out for not actually doing compliance through the operationalization of compliance to protect the organization.
1: Uh, one thing that this makes me think of, Tom, is that although there is the myth of the rogue employee, it seems that in the past few years, there's been more of a focus of trying to find individuals accountable for all sorts of malfeasance that we've seen in the FCPA sector as well as other um, you know, corporate uh, misdeeds. So how do you square that with individual accountability but not having a rogue employee?
0: So uh, I think they actually line up as supplementary supplementary to each other, Jay. A corporation acts through its employees, Uh, even though in its infinite wisdom the Supreme Court has said corporations are employees. They really only act through individuals, through human beings. And as long as it's people who are engaging in the bribery and corruption, uh, that's going to put the corporation under sanction. Uh, a corporation, uh, excuse me, the employees who engage in this have to develop, as I said, a pot of money to pay a bribe. And to do so, they had to steal that money from somewhere, whether they stole it from the corporation, whether they cheated on their expense accounts, whether they stole it from petty cash, whether they uh, uh, claimed that they were giving discounts to customers and then rebating the difference. It really doesn't matter. The um, There has to be a pot of money created. It's individuals who create that money. And the Department of Justice, I think, in the Yates memo... Uh, starting in September 2015 up till uh, literally a couple of weeks ago when Rod Rosenstein announced the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy was making it clear that they expect corporations to thoroughly investigate cases, and if there's uh, conduct of individuals, they expect that information to be turned over to the government as a part
1: of an overall settlement. This wraps up our week of uh, Star Wars themed uh, compliance takes. And uh, so uh, on behalf of uh, Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist and myself, Jay Rosen, uh, we thank you for joining us for our fifth part in the series celebrating the release of the new Star Wars movie. We just took a look at Rogue One and we took a look at the myth of the rogue employee. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this part five of our special five-part introductory series of Popcorn and Compliance, where Jay and I took a look at the Star Wars movies in the context of and in their intersection with your best practices compliance program. If you have any questions of Jay, you can email him at Jay Rosen at Affiliated Monitors. I'm Tom Fox, and you can email me at tfox at Tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join Jay and I again as we take another look at one of our favorite movies in the context of compliance lessons, business lessons, leadership lessons, and perhaps some life lessons, too. Our next offering will be on the biography of Freddie Mercury and the group Queen in Bohemian Rhapsody. I hope you'll join us, and I hope you will rate this podcast if you have listened to it on iTunes. Popcorn and Compliance is an offering of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.